Hello and welcome to Super Saturdays, a comic book media podcast where we rank media by its story, impact, and visuals to figure out if these projects will stand the test of time. I'm Damon A. And I'm Jay Hayward, and each week we'll be focusing on your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. And this week, we travel to crime-ridden Gotham City, a place of danger, low-life thugs, and jewels just waiting to be stolen. Join us as we look through the life probably the wackiest and honestly the worst villain team up you'll ever see we'll see dramatic clay monsters a clumsy kite guy and even a sassy talking plant all of this and more now on with the show Hello and welcome, Soups, to another episode of Super Saturdays. On this episode, well, actually, before we dive in, let's do our new segment, News Roundup. All right, first up on this News Roundup, we have some new casting news about Superman Legacy. And actually, a a couple hours before this episode was recorded, there was one more addition to this cast as well, too. But... We have some new people. We have Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner, who is a Green Lantern. Dude. Uh, I'm not happy about that. You're not happy with that? I'm in between. I'm in between because it's like, I don't know. I think Nathan Fillion is a little old for Guy Gardner. Dude's 50. Uh, And I don't know. I'd have to see it. I'd have to see it. Dude, of any member of the cast so far that could die it could be him yeah but guy gardner doesn't die i mean who knows now i mean you never know i will say this though um guy gardner is the one justice leaguer who was so much of an asshole that batman punched the fuck out of him and one punched him knocked him out fucking knocked him down i remember you telling me about that yeah i would really want to do justice league international one day that book was just hilarious Okay, next up is Isabella Merced as Hawk Girl. She played Dora. Dude. I love her as an actress. She's an amazing actress. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that's the one thing that I primarily know her for was the Dora movie, which I think, like, I mean, if you're over the age of five, I guess you're not really talking about that movie. Fair enough. But, uh, no, I, I remember watching that with, like, a couple of my younger cousins, and, and I thought it was a pretty fun movie, and yeah. I thought that she really made that movie, too. It was hilarious. I liked it a lot, and on top of that, the movie didn't feel like a little kid's movie. It felt like it was... More mature, and I also seen her yeah. act in this movie. I forgot what it's called. Maybe it was Found Family. It had Rose Byrne and um, somebody else was in. It. I forgot who it was, but there's this couple who adopted three kids. Mm. Really good movie. Mm-hmm. Or no, Instant Family. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have Eddie, and if I butcher his last name, I'm sorry. Gathegi, but. As Mr. Terrific. Now, he's a great actor. I love him X-Men First Class. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I am looking yeah. forward to it. And all I, three... I feel like... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I was just going to say, um, I feel like the, the way how people have responded to, like, the way how this cast is going right now is kind of how I feel is, like, The Rock really wanted Shazam, or not Shazam, Black Adam to be when they were announcing all these different cast of characters, which was interesting uh, back in like 2020, I guess, when there wasn't really a whole lot. And James Gunn was there for the Suicide Squad. Um, 
but no, like even Hot Girl, like I'm so excited for this cast. Yeah, I'm really excited. So I'm curious what's going to happen. And then even uh, James Gunn, he answered a couple of questions with this. He said that uh, he Jimmy Olsen is going to be casted. He's going to be a part of the movie. He also answered a couple of questions. Some people asked, well, with these additions and like different heroes and whatnot, is this going to take away from Superman and Lois being the focus of your movie? And he said, no, Lois and Clark are still the two leads of this movie. It is going to focus. This is their mm. story. And he even, oh, gosh, it is raining hard here, guys. Uh, <laughs> but he even added on that uh, Superman is of two worlds. He said the Daily Planet gang, that's Clark, Superman, the Justice League, and those heroes are kind of like his work friends. So it's like you have to see two sides of the story. And I, I really like that addition. It made me really more interested in what's going to happen. It, it does make me uh, a bit intrigued as to how exactly he's going to be juggling all this stuff in one movie yeah because uh, i would imagine that this movie is going to be on average like how things normally are now like an hour 30 hour 40 i mean i guess hour 30 would be too short so i guess this will probably be close to two hours maybe even two and a half i so, could see it being I'm two curious. hours yeah i feel like two hours would probably be the best there was actually though one more cast member that has been announced yes uh very recently do you mind if I take this one really no, quick? No, go for it. I'm a big it. fan of this guy. Yeah. Okay, so Anthony Kerrigan. He's going to be fucking Metamorpho. Dude. Yeah, I love Metamorpho, especially in his like Justice League episodes. And just even as a character, he's fucking cool as hell. And he kind of looks like him. I think this is some really good casting. I have only seen clips of stuff that he's in. I'm going to have to do a deep dive on all the stuff he's been in. But mm. Jay, tell me like your thoughts on this casting. Oh, dude, I, I think this is like a really great cast you know and and a lot of it feels like james gunn you know like nathan Fillion was just in guardians 3 right and so already i i can feel that this movie is going to be a james gunn centric i mean of course it was going to be like his vision for it but the fact that it's also going to be a bit of a tone shift too because you know superman's not going to be in the same way of like guardians where there is a lot of loud joking and Granted, but the last one, there was a lot of drama. Second movie, lots of drama. So I know that he's capable of it, but with the cast that he's building right now, it's it's star-studded. And it's people that you wouldn't expect, but really work with the characters that they're trying to put onto the screen. Like, especially like with Nathan Kerrigan, he does look like Metamorpho. And I will say that I was a big fan of him back when he was on Gotham. Uh, he was Victor Zaz in that show, and he was like that's where I seen him from. I was wondering why he yeah. was so familiar. He he kind of like I'm sure that that you know then, Damon, because you've seen the show. But for those at home, like Victor Zaz usually is like chaotic dude. He marks himself every time he kills someone, which still exists for this character here. But they turn him into like this gangster, and I didn't know if I was going to enjoy it, but like he brought it to the role. So I think that one's really great. I, I I'm so excited to see Mister Terrific. Like, I don't know very much about the character, but everything, like, or I guess the little that I know about him, so excited. Like, that is a character I did not think would ever make it to the screen, especially in a Superman movie. Yeah. And it really makes me wonder exactly how DC is going to handle these characters in their comics because they're going to become more popular, especially like uh, Hawkgirl, you know, like what's going to come out of her, especially with, with Isabella playing her, you know, like... It's just gonna be it's just gonna be a whole different way of how DC is going to respond to it. And I, I feel like it's gonna be for a positive. Exactly. What about you? 
I'm just all excited. I'm curious of how it's going to turn out and what we're going to see. And I kind of liked the fact that this is going to be a Superman movie with already a pre-established like world where superheroes are already around yeah. and everything. Uh, like I'm just really excited to see what's going to happen. I'm also very curious what the soundtrack is going to look like because James Gunn even gave us a list of songs he's not using. He's not using any songs that refer to Superman, and he's not using Starman by David Bowie. Which oh, well, I kind of wish he would have added that song. That song I, I don't mean, know. Starman would be cool, I guess. But you know what I really hope hmm. we hear? That Williams score. We're not. Come on, man. That's the theme. No. You know what I'm saying? No. In other Fair news, enough. in some X-Men news, well, yeah, Deadpool news. Kind of. Uh, sort of. Sort of, yeah. yeah. Wolverine Hugh Jackman is in the blue and yellow suit. Dude. Dude. Yeah, it looks fucking dope. It looks dope. It that looks so good. Now, um, I will say this though, I kinda wish that that news never came out. Like, obviously he was gonna wear the suit in this movie, mm-hmm. but it's like I don't know. Like, especially with this with the new Deadpool movie coming out, like this past week there's been tons of different photos for promotion of Ryan Reynolds back in the suit with him next to Hugh Jackman, which again, fucking amazing suit. Deadpool's but new suit looks like, good um, too. Yeah, no, that one also looked really nice. It's like subtly and tweaked, but it like, for some reason, it was already comic accurate, but like the subtle tweaks made it look even closer. And it just makes me wonder exactly how the tone of this movie is just going to take everything, you know? But there, I also saw, like, I won't bring it up here so that way people don't get spoiled from anything, but I've been seeing like a lot of art or not art, I'm sorry, a lot of different photos from the set recently, and I like them, but I kind of wish that they would hide some of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, these are, like, really cool reveals and stuff. Like, we've been waiting for years to see Hugh Jackman in the suit. He's made fun of the suit in multiple movies, you know what I mean? And it's never happened. We've gotten close. Yeah, we got a tease in uh, The Wolverine where he got that suitcase right. that showed the suit Which, in there. Now, I gotta say, though, I kind of wish that it was the yellow and brown. Yeah. No. Or I kind of wish the yellow was like a darker yellow. Like not too dark, but like a slight like orangey yellow, like a golden yellow almost. Because mm-hmm. like I think it's a little too yellow for me. But, you know, that's just a little bit of nitpicks. And uh, some people were talking about how they wish he didn't have sleeves. But apparently the reason he has sleeves is because he is very susceptible to sun cancer. Uh, not sun cancer. Skin cancer. <laughs> to sun cancer. Yeah. Skin cancer. So that's why he has sleeves. But he may be taking oh. it off. Uh, and I think the reason these pictures came out is because it actually leaked. Word of mouth was coming around saying he's going to be in the suit. So I'm assuming they just leaked it themselves were like oh. yeah, uh, probably yeah probably because like when you look at this it's clearly like from the set like the shot is too good to not have been exactly and that makes sense too and it's definitely going to build more interest towards deadpool 3 which granted i don't know if deadpool 3 really needs more hype i mean granted i haven't heard people talk about it like how the first one came out i'm hearing a lot of people talk about came it out. Really? Yeah, because uh, another thing that was announced officially by Ryan Reynolds' team is that Jennifer Gardner is coming back to play Elektra. And rumor has it we're going to see a lot of, like, Fox Marvel iteration yep. characters in it. I'm, I'm starting to even hear rumors now of Ben Affleck coming back as Daredevil, too. Have you heard about that? I did. I did. And apparently the original Fantastic Four from 2005, which I'm still... I still find it crazy that Twitter is showing a lot of love to 2005 Fantastic Four. Now, I, I like hearing it because I, I enjoyed those movies. 
but I am. It's it's still surprising to me that there's like a whole little fan base who love those movies. Oh, dude, I, you can definitely put me in the fan base for Silver Surfer. I love that movie. Man, Silver Surfer. <laughs> listen, I gotta say, if we ever do an episode where we talk about our favorite comic book moments or scenes, that chase scene between the Silver Surfer and the Human Torch would be on mine. Just dude, the little honestly, details. I wouldn't even mind if we watched it for the for the show. Yeah. Oh, like I feel like that would be a lot of fun. Soups, let us know if you want to hear us talk about Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer because Jay and I will literally sit our ass down and watch it and talk about it. Specifically, Silver Surfer. If you try to get us to watch the first one, it ain't happening. Specifically, like Silver one. Surfer though. I like the first one. First one. First <laughs> I'm not one. saying. I like the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing really makes that movie for me. He really does. You know, he that does. was a dream of uh, Michael Chiklis. He said that like uh, that when he was a kid, he always loved the, the thing. That was his favorite hero. And him playing the character was like a dream country for him. I, I still think that the cast that they made for those movies, for the Fantastic Four, was perfect. It was. Like, I still do. A lot of people didn't care for Jessica Alba, but I think she did a good job with what she was given. Dude, I, I loved her in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like Now, granted, I haven't seen these movies in like a long time, so maybe I'll watch her and I'll be like, oh, it's shit. But it used to play all the time on FX because they have the movies. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, you just unlocked the memory. I know this is like the third time we brought up FX. And uh, if Milkman Channel, if you're listening, yes, we're going to mention On Demand on this channel again. Multiple times, as a matter of fact. It will never not happen. <laughs> exactly. All right. Last thing on our news roundup. EA announced they're working on a Black Panther game as well. Yeah, dude. What do you think about that? I just hope they don't got too much dip on their chip. Because mm-hmm. uh, you guys already announced a Iron Man game. And a Wolverine game. Well, even though that might be a different studio. Different studio, that's yeah. That's Yeah. But still, like, that's Spider-Man 2, Wolverine. Um, Cap and These Black two Panther. games. Yeah, yeah. So that's like five. That's five superhero games coming out for Marvel. Within like the next like three to five years. No, I mean, just depends on the quality control. What I'm nervous about a Black Panther game. Yeah, I'm just nervous that they're just going to make Avengers again. Yeah, because Black Panther's in that, and there is like I think he had like bonus DLC story. I think it was. Mm -hmm. I've never played the like. That's not true. I played some of the game. I don't care for it. Got that shit on Game Pass. (laughs) You ain't gonna catch me buying that. Um, so I'm. I mean, admittedly, I'm a bit worried that ea is going to do something like that to black panther mm-hmm. uh though granted it's not going to be a huge cast of like iconic characters you know what i mean like it's not going to be like a black widow captain america iron man hulk like thor fuck fest of like a million things yeah. so maybe they'll actually have the better focus but who knows i'm interested i'm curious and they also said it's going to be open world of wakanda and all the other type of stuff so i'm interested in seeing what they're going to be doing with that and i'm curious who's going to be writing the, the game because something that i noticed is that whenever in-house video game studios write their own adaptions to comic book stuff it gets questionable especially if they don't like get any help from anyone who has experience with the character i'm looking at you arkham knight now i didn't hate arkham knight <laughs> i didn't hate arkham knight but Compared to the first two games being written by Paul Dini and then this third game being like written strictly from Rocksteady, it was uh, questionable. They need to get those writers for Spider-Man, for the Spider-Man games, just do all of them. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe maybe they maybe they're just huge Spider-Man fans, so maybe that would actually be a death sentence for these characters as well. 
but like even the tweaks that are done in that story like i don't know like it's a really great story for spider-man as a character and i want these other characters to get that same kind of respect you know what i'm saying exactly only thing i disagree with that game is mary jane being a reporter but that is another uh, yeah, topic I knew for you another say day. That. <laughs> another topic for another day. But that right. was our news roundup. And then we have a sax solo. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, Jay, I got one more question for you. What's that, Damon? Jay, what was your first introduction to Catwoman? You thought I was going to ask Harley Quinn, but no, I'm asking. I actually did think you were going to say Harley Quinn. Yeah, Dude, no, it's okay. Catwoman. Catwoman. Ooh. So I think my first time actually ever seeing anything with Catwoman in it that I can remember was back in around like 2010. So I was about like 10, 11 years old and I'd watched Batman Returns. That late? Well, as you know, as everyone knows, like superheroes weren't really my thing, right? Mm-hmm. Comic books weren't really my thing. So I wouldn't watch that stuff as a kid, right? Like Teen Titans went over my head as a kid. I now have watched the series. I love the series. I got like a box set of it. But no, as a kid, like I did not care for that stuff. I thought it was cool, you know, but the only one that I would ever like actually sit and watch if it came on would be like Static Shock because mm-hmm. I just thought it was cool. Um, so it took a while. But when I finally got into Batman, you know, I wanted to watch the Keaton movies, of course, you know, and the Tim Burton stuff. So, yeah, it was probably her or it was one of the many Catwomen from the 66 show with adam west could not tell you which one though because there was like three uh in that show yeah it was three yeah and so i couldn't tell you which one i saw first but i know it had to have been one of those two and i loved the character from the first time seeing her and i love when she gets added into things i loved her in arkham city that was really like a huge thing for me as a kid too was getting into arkham city and i loved going around the streets yeah, dude, and it it's something that they should have continued, like, to just play as Catwoman and play these characters. But anyway, I would say that that was probably my first introduction to Catwoman, and ever since then, I guess I've, I've never looked back. I think that she's an iconic character, and I hope that she stays in her A-list territory. I think after the Batman came out, that kind of helped it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my first introduction to her. What about you, Damon? Um, well, my first introduction to Catwoman would have to be, I want to say... Yeah, Batman Returns. I got um, the VHS tapes for all the old Batman movies when I was a little kid from my cousin, and I watched those movies religiously. Now, mm-hmm. Batman Returns, when I was a kid, I did not like that movie. It was boring to me. I liked the really? first one. I liked Batman and Robin. I loved Batman Forever. But Batman Returns, it was just a little too boring for me. Maybe it was because it was so dark. And, uh, like... Yeah, it just, I don't know. The only person I did like in that movie a lot was Catwoman. Every single scene Catwoman was in, it was just fun. I remember just oh, being yeah. drawn to that. And I would say Halle Berry's movie came out. I went to see that in theaters when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, I might get some hate for this, but I liked the movie when I was a kid. <laughs> I did. I did. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I would say those were my first interactions with Catwoman. Going off what you were saying with the DLC, though, for Arkham Knight, I mean, Arkham City. Catwoman was honestly, like, like the best DLC I've ever played. I Like, Dude, her... Honestly. 
like her combat was just so fun and there'd be moments where even her combat would rival batman's combat and how much fun you'd have playing with it yeah because she'd get faster and faster yeah Mm-hmm. Like she didn't feel like a reskin of just playing as Batman. No, she was very unique in all the different moves she'd even she'd do, and even the little character interactions between other characters and everything. But and I would... on top of that too, I, I also gotta say like mm-hmm. she's important to the whole story of that too, in like little exactly. ways that doesn't even matter. I guess if you don't get the DLC, but I mean like, come on, who's still buying Arkham City without the DLC? Like I don't even think that's possible anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think it comes with it now. But. With that out of the way, are you ready? Oh, Damon, I was born ready. All right, let's dive in. All right, Suze, we are talking about Harley Quinn, season two, episode three, Catwoman. Oh, and by the way, this is you you guys chose this episode. This is the soup's pick. I forgot to mention this at the beginning. This is soup's pick. Yes, yes. We thank you at home for picking what is probably the most confusing episode of Harley Quinn to just jump in the middle of. (laughs) After a failed attempt to infiltrate Mr. Freeze's lair, Harley and her crew decide to steal Firefly's flamethrower from Dr. Trapp's museum in order to melt their way in. Harley and Ivy recruit Kite Man and Catwoman to help them while the others have to locate the Riddler after he manipulated Psycho into facilitating his escape. Okay, Jay, did you know that season two was the last season to appear on the DC Universe app? I do, actually, because I was watching... I was watching a special version that I had. That's what I'm going to say. That's how I'm going to word it. And it's opening started with DC Universe, and it blew my mind. I thought it was off that app by, like, season one. Do you remember the DC Universe app? I, I had was it. so excited I, for that. I, I was hella like excited. Week. I yeah. remember. Yeah, dude, like, that was going to be so huge, and then, like, a month passed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a cool idea, but at the same time, though, it was more like, well, DC, I mean, you guys do have a big library because you guys have a lot of old shit they can put on there, but... You don't have a big enough, vast enough library to, like, have people consistently go through it. Now, they did get around that by having comics on there, so you could read comics and watch stuff. But, mm. I don't know. I think I'm glad that this was, like, the precursor to them realizing, well, why don't we just have HBO Max and just consolidate everything? Right. Back when HBO Max was, like, legitimately the coolest streaming service for, like, up until now. Like, it was so good. Yeah. Like, everything on there. I mean, granted, it's probably what's probably bankrupt Warner Brothers now with the amount of content that's been on there, funny enough. True. But, dude, that had everything. And the fact that the show was able to continue and that the fact that uh, this month on July 27th, we're going to be getting season four. Mm-hmm. Dude, like, it just shows that with the right product, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, with the right distribution, you know, like, any product can work. And this show, I mean, like, come on, like, it's so funny. It's so so colorful. It's it's just such a wonderful ride. And and like the episodes just end like that. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I'm just glad that it's still successful past DC Universe's like fall. The DC Universe logo is still on HBO Max, and I also noticed uh, this is the last show to survive that's still on the DC Universe. Titans ended this year. 
Doom Patrol—that's another conversation. Even though I love Doom Patrol, but uh, season mm. four, part one, came out I think towards the end of last year, and they're supposed to—they were supposed to release season four, part two, at some point, but they're holding the show hostage. So my question for you, though, as we're getting further into this, Jay, what was your first thoughts on this episode? Yeah. Okay. So, admittedly, when I put on the episode, uh, and I'll still be honest, I, I thought it would be really fun. This is my first time rewatching anything of the show, uh, like this year at all, or maybe even last year. I don't even remember if I watched. No. Did season three come out last year? Yes. And then season four okay. got announced. I want to say this week or next or last week. So. Yeah. That, now I still need to finish up season three. Like I kind of fell off. I gotta finish season um, two. You gotta finish season two. You haven't yeah. even finished season two. I already know what That's happened, to me, but I didn't finish it. Fair, fair enough. I, 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 it's not like I disliked what I watched from season three, but it was going in certain directions that I wasn't super happy with with those first couple episodes. So I, I kind of lagged trying to come back. I need to come back because, yeah, no, the show's fun, but I forgot everything. Like I forgot absolutely everything. So when the episode just like starts in front of like, uh, Mister Freeze's like giant ice fortress and stuff like i was really thrown off guard like i forgot everything that happens what about you damon um i this episode felt very bite sizable like it was very very short yeah yeah you know i didn't remember the harley quinn show being so like fast paced like that but it was real snappy and i gotta say i loved every minute of it and every second of it because it was joke after joke after joke after joke, and the writing was just so witty. There was little things because I was combing through it with a fine-tooth comb that I fucking um, didn't even realize. Like, for example, Catwoman says something on the lines of, don't catsplain to me. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that shit was fucking hilarious. Like, honestly, every single character has their own moments and everything. And I liked how... Uh, I don't know. I liked how... Uh, one thing I like about the Harley Quinn show is that the Harley Quinn show, you can't really say it's inaccurate in some areas if you're talking about comic book accuracy, mm-hmm. but it is oh. very accurate in a lot of different areas in that it feels like it takes every detail or some small details of the character and kind of like exacerbates it, almost like a parody. And I love it for it because it's just fun. And when oh, it has yeah. a serious moment, it can be serious. I don't know. It's, it's interesting, and honestly, what if the whole plot twist of the show is that, like, well, this show is just told from Harley's perspective, and this is how she sees everybody. Now that would be wild. That would be wild. Uh, I will say, though, that I feel like a lot of work in the writer's room, you have to thank Paul Dini. Yeah. Like, he has worked on every episode for that. Paul what, Dini. Paul Dini I, worked I on the show? He has worked on every episode. Has he really? Yeah. I did not know that. I don't know who's well, part of this show. I, I don't know who created Harley, but I didn't there's know that. Like, there's like, what, 28 episodes total of that show? Because the seasons aren't super long. Yeah, so no, he's, ri- he's like the head writer of all of them. Really? Paul Dini? Yeah. yeah wow. Paul Dini. Yeah. No, that, that's why I think that the show is handled so well. Now, there is like a, a whole team of writers. Like, Bruce Tim is also on the show. Is he really? As a writer. Yeah. Like, there's tons of different, like, comic writers that are on it. Those are the two that really strike me, obviously. Bruce Tim, But, yeah, no. Like, they, they've they added contributions to the show, both with the fact that they've created these characters, but they also work on them, you know? The the main person who develops everything uh, is uh, Justin Halpern. I don't know very much of his work, 
Um, I know he's also worked on like Abbott Elementary, but uh, that's really all I I know. I know he's probably done like a couple other shows, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you. Um, but no, like they have a really good team of writers that have looked onto stuff prior and really do make it like their own fun little like fun house i guess for lack of better term and uh yeah no the emotional beats are strong uh i looked something up real quick yeah not trying to retract your statement but no go ahead if i'm wrong tell me i'm wrong paul dini and bruce tim are not writers on the show their character they have based off of character credits like okay. it's a, like okay. so they created harley quinn so that's why their name is up okay there. so incorrect but however justin halpern he is one of the developers i believe he's the core developer of the show itself mm -hmm. and no like his work because uh, i've watched a couple episodes of abbott elementary too that he's worked on like i said only a uh, couple abbott is so good <laughs> yeah I, I mean like i've never really got far into it because um when it was coming out you know i was on film sets so i wasn't really out going and, and watching stream and stuff and binging really much so I, I got to catch a couple episodes though because you know a bunch of crewmates really enjoyed it and no like it, it it is fun it is so fun and i i'm very grateful that this show has the ability to be so outside of everything else that this studio is like kind of done and now it feels as though if anything harley quinn was not only the, probably their most popular besides maybe Doom Patrol, but I kind of would make the argument that a lot of the the work from the show is kind of why we're seeing shifts and tones in other things now. Honestly, maybe, I, maybe I can I'm see wrong. it. No, I could see it. I could see exactly what you're talking about, especially in this episode. This episode was very graphic in a lot of different areas. And then every now and then, whenever like Harley or a character said, fuck, I forgot for a second that they can say the F-bomb and everything like that. Like, right. I just, wow. Like, I, every single joke fucking landed for me, especially when we open up the episode and it's uh, they come up to Mr. Freeze's ice fortress and right. there's, like, a freeze goon who was like, nothing burns hotter than Firefly's gun. And he had, like, yeah, a whole, dude. like, squeaky-ass voice and shit like that. And you learn that it was like Fred and Kevin, and basically it just freezes goons, tells Harley and her crew everything that they need to do in order to freaking break into the fucking place. Just the so small stupid. little moments. It was so fucking stupid. I love it. I love those moments, though. And the show just allows that. Like, whenever Kite Man is on screen. I, I will say, though, Kite Man, I, I enjoy when I watch the show completely. Maybe it's changed now, but I thought he was kind of annoying. Really? Like, yeah, no, like, I I used to really enjoy the Kite Man moments when I binged the show. But now, I don't know, like, encapsulating this particular episode, and I guess also knowing where everything else goes afterwards. Like, yeah, no, if anything, he kind of felt like the weakest, which is weird, because it's not like it's a bad performance. But I really wanted to see everything else that was going on. Like, I forgot the whole thing that was going on with the Riddler. And the whole treadmill thing. Yeah, like I hated the B plot in this episode. The B plot in this episode, I didn't really care for it. Uh, Soups, the B plot was basically the Riddler was held captive at Harley's lair. This happened to some episodes ago. And basically, her crew was supposed to look after him. Well, Newsflash, uh, not Newsflash, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Psycho has like a whole hissy fit, and he just basically causes the Riddler to be let free. 
And speaking of Dr. Psycho, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to, like, characters, like, being accurate but, like, exacerbated. Dr. Psycho, he's a Wonder Woman villain, and even in the comics, his whole thing is that he's a misogynist. Yeah, and and they put that to the whole nines in the show. Like, yeah. That, that is a, a huge part of his character. I mm-hmm. do remember that a ton. Um, I got to say, though, Tony Hale, he really makes that performance for me. Mm. Uh, the voice of, of uh, Dr. Psycho. Agreed. There's something about that voice it kind of makes me think of like um Patton oswald as modok it, it seems like a, like a weird choice but then when you hear it and if it's written well like it can work very well um i i enjoyed Patton oswald I, I i think i was the only person on the planet that watched modok I, i'm serious like i've met no one who knows that show anyway tony hale i thought was amazing especially when he was bouncing off the riddler that's a uh, uh, actor I don't know named Jim Rash. Uh, I, I'm trying to look at some of his stuff on the side here for IMDb. I can see that he's worked on Sky High and he was on Community. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Now, huh. I will admit, uh, I might get a lot of hate this episode myself, actually, because I've still not watched Community. I, I haven't have either, so it's it. okay. Okay, there we go. So when we get the hate in the comments, send it to both of us. Yes. <laughs> but direct it towards Jay. Hey, yo. Hey, hey, wait a minute. My favorite moments, though, is just when Catwoman came in. Actually, you know, let's get into talking about Catwoman in this episode. She is voiced by Sonala, uh, Sonala Latham. And amazing actress. I love her so much. Uh, she was in a lot of different things. She was in Love and Basketball. She also voices yes. uh, Donna on The Cleveland Show. And just amazing, amazing, great, great, greatly casted. And I even like Catwoman's yeah. design too in this episode. Yeah, no, I I really enjoy it too. Uh, she also feels uh, character-wise, uh, one that doesn't really. I mean, I guess it's still like an exaggerated version of Catwoman, but it feels like going back to how you were talking about earlier this idea of Harley Quinn's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way how that character takes over every scene like it feels as though that she's probably the most accurate to how we've seen her in other things but just from other perspectives of villains in ways that are new and the ways how they respond to that on like i guess on this like quote-unquote realistic level you know what i mean you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like thinking of just like who she is as like a person and what it's like to kind of be that kind of character that she is and how Harley and Ivy respond to her because she is, when you think about it, one of the bigger names that even come up in the show, besides, you know, like the Joker and Batman, you know, stuff like that. Like Catwoman is, is like how we were talking about earlier, a very iconic character and, and not just Batman's library, but in DC's library. It's because she's that to the girl. Point that's where... why. <laughs> it's because what? She's that girl. That's why she is that girl. And, I, I really enjoyed the casting for her too. Um, I know, oh geez, I know I'm going to butcher her name. Sana, mm-hmm. is it Sana? Yeah, it's Sana. Okay, I I loved her in Love and Basketball, and I really enjoyed her in Alien vs Predator. Yeah, yeah, she is a great actress. I I I feel she like she's is. underrated in a lot of different areas. Uh, she is not underrated in Black Hollywood, but in just Hollywood in general. Yes, in Hollywood in general. Yeah. 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 Um, another. Uh, actor, since we're listing them off right now, I guess, that I also really enjoy is Kaylee Kuko. Yeah, you know, I... Uh, Coco? Kuko? Uh, Kuoko. 
Cuoco. Thank yep. you. As, yeah. as Harley Quinn. You know, I all when she was casted as uh, Harley Quinn and even the first scene came out, I remember a lot of people were curious as to, like, does Harley not have an accent? You know, her voice kind of grew on me, especially when you notice that uh, Harley spoke more with the accent when she was with Brown Joker at the beginning. And then she spoke more when she was with her family. I just love that, like, Harley, this show, it feels like a whole love letter to Harley Quinn as a character in so many different ways. It does. Especially in the first season when there were just so many, like, little, little niche things. For example, I personally feel like a lot of people forget that Harley is actually supposed to be Jewish. But the show actually even acknowledges that she is Jewish. I forgot she was Jewish. <laughs> yeah, or even they, I think the show even acknowledged that she's not a natural blonde, too. Yeah, probably. I think, I mean, there's a good couple of things that they've said that with Harley. Um, but no, they, they really do put a whole lot of effort into her, especially with, with Poison Ivy. And this episode was so Poison Ivy and, and Harley Quinn-centric. Because uh, for those who don't know the show, this is kind of like the season when they start to kind of develop a relationship of their own. And that's kind of like on top of this whole thing of like gang wars going on in Gotham with all the different villains is like the main precipice of the show or, or of this particular season. And I got to say that I agree with you on your statement earlier. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy's stuff was fantastic. Um, the B plot really took all of these amazing side characters like Clayface and... Uh, uh, King Shark, and what is the name of the plant again? I can't remember the name of the plant. I want to say right? Frank. And I'll, can we take a minute and talk about how there's a single frame in the episode where like Harley comes back and she's talking to them. Great, fantastic. And then for like the fucking couple of seconds that the frame is in picture, Frank has a whole like plant booty, <laughs> just right there, front center. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I didn't that. see that. What? <laughs> literally, like, like literally, he, he, it's like just a whole big green plant booty in the screen, just right what? there on screen. How the fuck did I miss that? I already remember that. Uh, I just remember that he's screen. really into Adventures of Babysitting. Like that was a joke. Like, no, I it's Babysitters of. Club. That's two different Babysitters Club. I'm Jay. sorry. Oh, oh, man, I'm, I'm really gonna piss everyone off in the comments. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Um, it's fine. Yeah, but, but I feel like all these really fun characters, like I remember having really great side stories on their own. King Shorts in particular, I remember a lot of his stuff whenever we kind of like saw how he was with like his family. That's the particular mm -hmm. plot that I remember. And yeah, it, it felt like the B plot just kind of felt pointless. Like I kind of remember this being important to like maybe a later episode, things that happened yeah. with the Riddler. But on its own, like on its own, uh, like... I don't know if I could personally recommend this episode uh, like for someone who's never watched the show just because it takes all these wonderful side characters and it kind of just leaves them at the base and they don't, they really don't do anything. They don't get, at they, all. They, they, it felt like it was like this, the B plot felt like it could have been its own filler episode, whereas the A plot mm -hmm. was honestly, I wish the A plot was more just fleshed out. And it did everything it needed to do within that time, especially when, um, you know, Harley found out about the flamethrowers. So she enlisted the help of Catwoman. And then we went to the place to get um, Catwoman help them steal the stuff. 
And it, this whole episode, I feel like, was kind of more of Ivy's episode because it brought up a couple of questions. And I think this is even some questions that the fans may have even had in regards to Poison Ivy. Because I'd say Poison Ivy has always had a soft spot for Harley when it came to people because she has a whole problem with like even liking people. And mm-hmm. throughout this show, we haven't really focused on what that looks like at this point. So the fact that the episode was kind of asking that question of, well, you're focusing a lot on Harley, but what do you actually want? And she's asking that question. That was pretty interesting to me. Yeah, that this allows there to be that exploration between their characters in a way that a lot of fans have always kind of just done on their own, you know? And, and it feels as though that this show, as it goes on, is really meant to be for the fans. Uh, it I mean... I guess for a casual audience, it's something that will grab people too. Mm-hmm. But everything about this show is supposed to show that uh, that love towards all these different types of obscure characters that not many people know about and really try to put them into this public eye. It's the same kind of way how I would argue like the Suicide Squad did with James Gunn. Yeah. Not to bring him up again for the millionth time. But uh, I get that same kind of feeling when I watch uh, this show and when I watch that show being able to have this opportunity to take a breath, want to learn about how these characters became who they are, and we don't have all these millions of of products that have already shown us that prior, you know, like with Batman and Superman and all these other things, Spider-Man, of course. Um, Now, one character that I also really enjoy that makes a debut in the episode uh, is Dr. Trap. (sighs) Now, Dr. Trap is a character I don't know much about. I don't think I've even read a single comic with him in it, but I've always seen different art and panels that have uh, shown Dr. Trap off in this really terrifying way. And the fact that they make him so accurate in the show, I really appreciate. Uh, on but his top voice of the fact is so weird, just, though. I love that his voice is so weird. Like it. <laughs> my, my, my favorite line, I, I, actually, I wrote down my favorite line that he had. Do you want to hear it, Jay? What? I would love to hear it. It's when Harley grabs Deathstroke's sword and it's like, watch your fingers. (laughs) (laughs) That was a pretty fucking fun part. The Deathstroke sword scene when uh, she's cutting down Kite Man and everything and even he goes, whoa, is that Deathstroke's sword? Like, just that whole scene makes me laugh. Like, this tickles me. Everything in, in Dr. Trapp's, uh, what, what do we call it? Museum? His museum. His, his trap his museum. museum. His trap museum. Is... No, that sounds like, a, that sounds like trap music, a trap music museum. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. Dr. Trapp's trap house of traps. Wow. That sounds like <laughs> it's going to be smelling like a lot of loud and there's going to be lots of red solo cups with some purple drinks that's what yeah, that sounds yeah. like do you think uh if we look up on soundcloud right now there's like five do- uh, dr traps i can bet my bottom dollar that that's exactly what's going to happen bet your bottom dollar exactly exactly <laughs> who says that <laughs> bitch i do anyways we're gone i guess so <laughs> Okay, but, you know, since, since we're getting further with the Dr. Trap, actually, I was going to ask you, what yeah. was your favorite moment in this episode? Because my favorite moment would have to be 
when Ivy and Catwoman are having like you know that little conversation, and then Catwoman is just basically saying like, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. I'm a little taken aback that like you're not killing terror eco like doing your eco terrorist shit. You're not really focusing on the environment. This mm. is kind of off brand for you. And then Ivy is like, well, have like you know, well you're not stealing stuff as much. And then Catwoman is like, she says, and I quote. Girl, please, I'm never not stealing jewels. That was a funny-ass <laughs> line. Covered in jewelry. Just covered in jewelry. Covered. And, oh my goodness, I guess there's like a C-plot, too, while I'm thinking about it, also with Dr. Trap, because Harley Quinn and Kite Man kind of end up on their own for a little while, and it develops their relationship, and Harley, at the beginning of the episode, is very much against Kite Man, most likely, I, I mean, especially after this, like, as the season goes on, obviously, due to immense jealousy and love that she has for Ivy. But I will say, out of the entire episode, that was the point where I really enjoyed Kite Man. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, granted, it was still Dr. Trapp's place. But uh, also just continuing to see that kind of development with Harley. Now, to answer your question, though, I think my favorite part of this episode was near the ending when Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, they're at Ace Chemicals on a pier, and yes. Ivy is killing all the CEOs off with acid and all this stuff that are all entangled in her plants. And I just love the juxtaposing nature that happens in the scene as they're trying to have this heart-to-heart -heart moment, and you see these CEOs and these bigwigs just exploding into, like, blood or, like, melting away. And it adds... This, this weird levity to the scene while at the same time allowing there to be that development between the characters especially for Ivy you know because this is uh, I think she had said earlier you know how much she has changed her life because of all these different responsibilities now that she has that she never really expected or prepared for and there's something so genuine about that there's something so organic and so relatable to that you know life takes everyone in these different types of twists and turns and stuff you never really know what you're going to expect and Life's your whole trajectory on life exactly <laughs> your whole your whole trajectory can just change at any point whether with the people that you're with or the environment that you're in you know whatever and i think amongst all of that out of all the characters that really gets the most development out of the series it is her mm -hmm. and having her interactions with harley having her interactions with kite man uh, like the whole the whole reason why Kite Man's even there is to try to get this like ring for her because it's covered in leaves and stuff that she doesn't even like. She doesn't even like it, and Harley knows that. And it's just those little things like that. It feels like a genuine conversation, but then it's juxtaposed, like I said, with all of, you know, the comic centric part, the the murder, and the fact that it's able to keep that tone without it becoming too much of uh, of an annoyance. I like think how, they're able. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was just gonna say. Um, oh, now you threw me off. Go on. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I was much? gonna say. You know, I think the reason they're able to get away with doing that is because this show does a really good job of humanizing villains. Like mm -hmm. these characters, I'm not sitting here terrified of these villains. I'm. Oh, they're going to go rob a bank. It's just another Tuesday. Oh, they're going to go murder such and such and do X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, you know, it's the norm. 
this show does a really good job of just humanizing all these villain characters, but it's primarily because we're getting this stuff told from Harley and Ivy's perspective. So mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting to me when I seen that scene. I was like thinking about how like, oh, yeah, I forgot. They're villains. They do murder people. I forgot for a second. But it wasn't something that I was like, you know, taken aback by similar to how, you know, if, if, if that were to happen in the boys, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, but they do such a really good job of humanizing these characters, but also making it just like it just feels normal within their world. Uh, yeah. Like, and honestly, I think this is the first time I really sat down and thought about how this show really is like, and it's an exaggeration of like the characters that we already know. But it does it in such a really good way. It's a really yeah. good way. A really good way. Where, where it never feels too jarring, I think, yeah. either. Now, now, granted, that, that could also just be due to the fact that the show does a really good job with this weird switch of tone and its fast-paced nature. Mm-hmm. Now, I, a question that I have for you, uh, for general audience, or, sorry, out of general cast, who is, like, your go-to character? For me... King Shark. I think King Shark is such a fun character. I hate that he's barely in this episode. My god, I hate that so much because he's like one of the best parts of the show, by far. But what about you? Honestly, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to ask you a question similar. I was going to ask you who was your favorite uh, on Harley's crew. But to answer your question, I would say we're saying in this episode or in the show in general. Who's, who's in my... the show in general? So like even characters that we didn't get to see, you know. Ooh, I gotta say I enjoy Bane whenever he's on the screen, primarily oh, because dude, of I like forgot about Bane. he does the Tom Hardy. He's like oh, he does the Tom. Yes, he does the Tom Hardy voice, which you know it, it's wild because I remember when the movie came out, nobody thought it was like crazy. It was wild, but then I think people parodied that voice too much to the point where I can't take that damn movie seriously anymore. <laughs> Honestly, the thing that I speaking of Dark Knight Rises, I got one more thing, guys. This is gonna be a tangent, but who gives a fuck? Speaking of Let the Dark loose, Knight Rises, baby. I'm sorry, but when I was younger in 2012, 2012, Damon saw that scene where Batman is like beating the fuck out of Bane. He's like, "Where's the trigger? Oh, where, where, where's the trigger? Who has the trigger? Where's the trigger?" I'm sorry, I was dying of laughter in theater when I was a kid. <laughs> that shit was funny okay it was it was hilarious oh my no, gosh a, a lot of it's become definitely like an ironic comedy thing for sure with that voice like everyone had a pringles can near their <laughs> nearby when that shit came around you remember that yeah they sure did it got to the point where like people think batman's voice has to sound like that or similar mm-hmm. Now, I'd no. say I don't blame Christian Bale because he said that uh, after the first movie and whenever he did, when he did Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, Christopher Nolan was the one who told him to make the voice more gruff. Yeah. But, uh, hey. Which I think they, they altered it, too, in the sound design. Like, they made it even yeah. more gruff, I think. They did um, it in the, in the third movie, especially. I think they even brought it up. The second movie... Mm-hmm. I don't know if they did in the second movie, but the third movie, you know, they for sure did. Now, to go back to your question then, because obviously my go-to gang member is going to be King Shark. Yeah. Like, by far. Second, maybe Clayface. I like Clayface, but King Shark is just so cool. Clayface Who's can annoy me a little bit. He can annoy me. He can. He can this he can episode, specifically he did, uh, get to me, 
even though he only had like what he barely had like any lines like yeah but no he can be really fun too king shark though i gotta go king shark but what about you what's your go-to gang member oh honestly i would say i want to say ivy because she's like the most competent uh if that even count as like you know yeah she's part of harley's gang yeah she's part of the crew i think what annoys me about clayface is that clayface technically should be lp technically oh yeah like he should be like unstoppable with everything they yeah dumb him down yeah i think that's the reason that, honestly that's another thing i'd say about the show that really gets me out like th- that kind of bothers me in like a nitpicky way is that sometimes since this show is comedy there's times where they downplay certain characters powers mm-hmm. and it's oh, like totally. yeah they do that a lot sometimes and i'm like okay all right oh like um like at one point dr psycho tries to like hypnotize or mind control the riddler and i guess for like a character sense it makes sense that riddler will be so smart that it wouldn't affect him but it it just kind of felt uh I don't know, like a cop out. Yeah. Like I get it. Like like that B plot is is just supposed to show a lot of just the the unhinged nature that Doctor Psycho brings to the group. Uh, not even just him. Who who the fuck is that old guy's? I can't remember Cyborgman. his name. Cyborgman. Oh my goodness, what a character! I, I I forget that he just has everything on him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at one point, like he just pulls out a phone out of his out of his leg, and. I don't know. Like, I, I think those little moments were fun, but I get it. Like, it was is it's Doctor Psycho centric because he's about to turn into, like, the main baddie, right? And I get that, but I don't know if, if I I felt like that. How you feel with Clayface? That mm-hmm. it it just kind of felt off everything, and also for the Riddler to escape but not escape and. Like, I, I, I get it. Like, I get it for where it is for the plot. But just everything around that, I, I just didn't care for. But you're you're thinking Ivy altogether, yeah? Yeah, I'd say Ivy. Because she's the one who's allowed... I'd say, of all the characters, Ivy's the one who's allowed to actually keep her OP powers, from what I could tell. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and she, I don't know. She's a great... She's great. I would rate this oh. episode maybe a 3.5 or 4. What would you rate this episode? Okay. And do you think you'll stand um, the test of time? Next to the rest of the series, I'm not sure. Admittedly, there's so many better episodes. Doesn't make this episode bad. I don't think this episode was bad. I enjoyed it. I had fun. I laughed out loud. It's not very often a show can get me to laugh out loud. Uh, I would probably give this a two and a half or a three, admittedly. Just because uh, one thing that a lot of the other episodes do really well is utilizing this entire cast. And this one, it it took a lot of that into the back seat. Now, granted, this is a bit farther in season two. We're we're getting different developments, different focus, right? We know these characters, mm-hmm. but I feel as though we could get more, uh, especially in later episodes. You do get more. So for me, I would say, yeah, that two and a half, the three, sounds the most comfortable for me. I wouldn't recommend this one in particular to people. Uh, there's tons of other episodes that I'm thinking of, like. Um, when uh, Joker traps Batman and, uh, like, Scarecrow unmasks him or something. That was funny he as starts, hell. He starts bitching about, like, this car that, that, uh, that like, he, like, donated to the Wayne Foundation. He was supposed to get a car. And he's like, where's my damn car, Bruce? Like, I love I love that shit. And then he um, uh, that's killed a great Scarecrow, episode. I thought, right? 
Yeah, Scarecrow's in there too. I think one thing that really surprised me about this show is how like characters fucking just die that you wouldn't yeah. have thought die. Like fucking Oh, okay. All right. I thought you guys wouldn't have did it, but okay, we're doing it. Shit. Show's just allowed to be unhinged. Yeah. And I I definitely appreciate that. Though, for those at home, if you've not watched the show, at least for me personally, I I feel like there's tons of other episodes if you don't want to start at the pilot for whatever reason that you can just jump in. Yeah. And you can still have a good time with this one, but I know you can have an even better one with these other ones. This episode needs the other episodes to support it, I would say. It does. It does. Like, I would say. I will say. Yeah, no, I was going to say that, like, I think something I noticed with the Harley Quinn show is that the, I don't think this show would do well as a week to week show. This is a show you have no. to binge because the episodes are already short and yeah. like they lay down the groundworks for what's going to happen. I mean, all shows do that, but just I think this show was written with the binge situation in mind instead of the whole week to week in mind. For now, sure. Yeah, I know. Like now, shows are starting to get back to trying to do the week to week stuff to stretch out the whole streaming thing. And you know they're going to do that for season four. Yeah, they're they're most definitely going to do it for season four. And personally, I think it's going to hurt it. Like I really do, just because of that same thing. Like I would watch a season the entire day, and it was easy to. I was able to get stuff done and focus on the show and have a good time and get to the end and be satisfied or really looking forward to it if it comes out in like week to week i don't know if i'm gonna have that same kind of like desire you know mm. i could see if they did like a part one or part two of the season but mm. you know i could yeah that worked like, maybe like the what like the stranger things thing that they did similar to other shows that they're doing now but the real question oh, yeah, is yeah. soups what do you guys think do you guys think that this episode of harley quinn titled catwoman Holds up. Be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on Instagram at Super Saturdays Podcast, TikTok at Super Saturdays Pod, and Twitter at Super Saturdays PC. Your messages and reviews can make their way on the show. So give us a review and give us a message. We even take requests. If you want to hear us talk about something, let us know. Let this, us know. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. And I'm Howard the Duck. And you can also follow Damon and Jay at their Instagrams at Damon underscore 1003 and at Jay the Movie Gal. Is that a good, is that a good Howard the Duck? It was really good. Was it really? It really was. See you next Saturday, Soups. Hey, Soups. Do you enjoy the music here on the podcast? Then why don't you check out our buddy Jake Voigt at jakevoigtmusic.com. 